You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We'd like to start this message by saying how much we appreciate all of our Patreon supporters. Executing the podcast is a huge financial and time commitment, and as such, it would be absolutely impossible to carry out without your support over the years. The purpose of this message is to announce that we are sweetening the pot for our current supporters and anyone who joins Patreon in the future. Currently under Patreon plans $5 and up, you receive an additional monthly trivia episode as well as our Ask Me Anything styled crop drop. Beginning January 1st, 2024, we will be releasing weekly bonus trivia episodes personally written by the hosts in addition to the crop drop. As always, new and old Patreon members will also have access to our enormous backlog of bonuses upon joining. If you have been considering joining, we hope you will consider the new episodes as yet another invitation to sign up. We hope our current members will enjoy the influx of episodes and you will never be short of trivia content. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. And now, it's time for the show. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. What are you laughing at, Jeff? I, when you said hello, I wanted to go, hello. But oh, like in, I didn't have enough enthusiasm to make it a bit today. Well, like Book of enough. Mormon or Seinfeld? <laughs> no, just like a general. Oh, just a like, general hello. Yeah, like Your barbershop quartet yeah. style. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, we, we can't do a barbershop quartet because we're down one. We're missing Matt. We are missing Matt, who actually more is. more than one. He's trying a... Uh, trying out for a barbershop quartet at Disneyland. So they have the barbershop quartet that walks around and sings uh, Lighter Rose or what, what have you, and he's trying out for it. So good luck to him. Well, yeah, Neil, he's sick Neil, of being an employee for a conglomerate. He wants to be a character for a conglomerate. I see. Well, Neil, let's uh, start off the show by congratulating uh, Colleen on a successful oh, yeah. play. Yep, she's yep. doing her last, uh, last play right now. Uh, Christmas Carol this year. Yep, last oh, performance of last a Christmas or Carol. Or more, most last, recent. last performance of, of, her most of this most recent play. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure there will be many, many more. But um, yeah, last night I was visited by three ghosts, and I'll be changing my ways. All right, well, good. That's that's the whole point of the the story is. Actually, there's four ghosts. Sorry, there are, there are four. Correction. That's Marley Erasure. Sorry, that's my bad. Well, Neil, we got a good show coming up today. We got some great guests. Only two, not four, like the ghosts. But uh, who are they? Yep, and uh, both of them are not corporeal. Uh, we have uh, real people here for us today. So our first guest is going to be our Wait, host. They're they, are, they would be corporeal. They're not in the studio, though, so they're incorporeal. Mm. They're, they're corporeal somewhere. Oh, I not see. Here. I'm not here. Okay. 
Uh, well, both guests aren't in studio, but they're here in spirit, uh, in spirit of A Christmas Carol. And our first guest is going to be a player today. Uh, coming to us from Libertyville, Illinois, not too far from us, so uh, pretty much you know around the same uh, same area, and that is Forrest Oaken, Oakland Five supporter on Patreon. How you doing, Forrest? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, excited to be here. How's everyone there? Uh, we're doing great, and uh, I guess we could call you uh, an Oaken Five supporter on Patreon, so thank you for that, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I am from the Chicagoland area. I grew up in the northern suburbs. i um, been here basically all my life. Uh, I have three kids with my beautiful wife. Uh, and yeah, just day to day. I'm a project manager for a packaging company and yeah, pays the bills and lets me spend a lot of time with my kids. Wonderful. That's what's important. That's great. And gives you some time to play some trivia. So we appreciate you being here today. Yeah, plenty of time. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you. And our special guest host is someone we're we're bringing back. We always love having him here uh, and hearing his questions. Coming to us from Huntsville, Alabama, not a robot supporter on Patreon, not a ghost supporter on Patreon, Jared Seal. How are you, Jared? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. I'm good. And uh, remind the folks at home about yourself. Yeah, I'm a software engineer down in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, hobbies include playing some music and injuring myself in adult kickball games. <laughs> what was the last uh, injury that you had? Uh, right about here. It's uh, it's still bugging me a little bit, but it's not as bad as the first one where I tore my rotator cuff trying oh. to slide into second base. Oh, geez, it's yeah, serious. Huh? That is yeah. serious. And you were yeah. you were referencing the rib area, so you had some sort of rib injury. Pete Rose level mm -hmm. commitment there. I think I bruised a rib or something. Yeah, something just like takes over did in my the brain kick, when I'm. Did the kickball hit moment. you, or did you? Was there? Oh, impact? I was out. Yeah, it was so embarrassing. Oh wow! Uh, and is this a league though? I'm really curious. Is this a league where you can? Peg someone with the ball and they're out. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. perfect. That's how yeah, it should be. They got me right on the butt. I didn't even notice was was the worst part. They were, they had to tell me they got me out after I was already like recoiling in pain. <laughs> it's like me when I used to play paintball and I'm like, I don't see any paint. And then it's like, but it's right there. <laughs> I don't see any paint. Well, today is a triviality first. Uh, if you get a question wrong, you will be hit with a kickball. So uh, we don't know where it's coming from, but we're going to get hit by it. I like that when we were kids, we used to play dodgeball with kickballs. You know oh, yeah, I mean? that's they true. They have dodgeballs. Yeah. They're foam. They don't hurt. But we used to play with kickballs. Yep. My favorite was wall ball, where you you throw a racquetball, oh, yeah. you know, and if you if you uh, oh, fumbled it, sting. You, you played with or the, sting. You played with a racquetball. Oh yeah. Oh. We played with a tennis ball. Well, no, we, we did both. We did both. We played with a racquetball. Kamark kids are hard. Oh yeah. yeah. We were, and then we just yeah whip it at someone and get a welt and everything. Oh, that was yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of welts, uh, we hope that uh, we won't have too many today from Jared's questions, but we need to have teams. It looks like uh, Jeff, you are going to be partnered with Forrest and. Uh, Forrest, you guys were talking a little bit about music and and uh, you know scientists, I guess. And uh, what's your team name going to be today? Mm. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's not at all what they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be uh, too many offspring. Um, not a reference to uh, your three, I'm sure, lovely children. Um, and uh, of course, you can't have an offspring reference without some subtext, right? So we're going to be uh, too many offspring. Too many offspring. Colon. The colon's very important. The kids are all right. The kids make are sure all you right. get it checked every year. Uh, and that's Ken, probably a little much, if I'm being honest. You Consult and I, your medical professional, and not a <laughs> trivia podcast. Uh, and then, Ken, you picked our team name. Uh, yeah. Well, what was it again? Doctor Holland's Frosted Tips. That's right. Not to be confused with Doctor Holland's Opus, starring uh you or know mr. fan favorite mr. Or, oh yeah mr that's right he wasn't a doctor i guess yeah starring richard dreyfus but he did not get his doctorate in music he didn't he should have stopped being obsessed with his own son and he could have gotten a doctorate so <laughs> uh well we got our teams uh let's throw it to the rules guy 
The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. Oh my god, you guys. You're like the cream of the crop right now. Now that we know how it's played, I forgot, but yeah, now we know. That's why uh, we remind you. Yeah, let's get on with it. All right. Well, no better place to start than round one, question one. In 1996, President Bill Clinton gave a speech addressing the possibility that a Martian meteorite found in Antarctica 12 years earlier may contain evidence for extraterrestrial life. Portions of this speech were cut, rearranged, and then shown in an altered context in what film one year later? All right. Uh, looks like we're going to lock in here with a guess. We had a couple ideas, though. All right, Forrest. So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but I'm thinking around that time period, a movie having to do with extraterrestrial life, uh, be Independence Day. I can't remember exactly what year that came out. I'm but fairly certain that it came out in 97. Um, I would totally buy that. And it altered context. It could be that they um, just kind of did a, a recast, right? You know, it was the the speech and then it just adapted into the script or something like that. So I think that's as good as answer as any. All right, let's lock it in. Yep, we thought of a couple different uh, movies that might have uh, extraterrestrial presence. Um, we knew that Bill Pullman was the president in Independence Day, so they might not have Clinton in there. Uh, so we went with Contact. Yeah, the answer is Contact. Nice. The, the White cool. House was famously not very happy about that uh, due to their policy that, quote, prohibits the use of the president in any way that implies a direct connection between the president and a commercial product or service. Oh, wow. Question two. The final out of the 2023 World Baseball Classic was a climactic matchup between a pitcher and hitter who had previously never faced each other in an official game. Who were these players? We can lock in. We can lock in, too. Oh, great. Forrest. Couple, couple baseball fans here. <laughs> uh, yeah, you go first, Forrest. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. We said the same thing. Yep, it's it's those two, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, who had never before faced each other because they're both, they're only both Yeah, they're both angels. Question three. The Pillars of Creation is a famous photograph taken by the Hubble telescope. It contains massive elephant trunks of interstellar gas and dust and is located within what nebula? All right, we're going to go ahead and uh, take a guess on this one, but we're not too sure. Yeah, astronomy is not my uh, strong suit here. Famous photograph taken by the Hubble telescope. So I know JWST just took a... Uh, was it this one or another famous one? I kind of I so I I can see it in my head. The, I think the fact that he said elephant trunks is a little lead in here, because I I think this is named for an animal. And I could be a mammoth. I I I, I, I think it's the eagle nebula, and I don't know why you would name something the eagle nebula. So I'm not I'm not sure why that's showing up in my head, but. All right, eagle yeah. nebula. We're gonna go with the uh, sombrero. Well, it was the Eagle Nebula. Jeff managed to pull that somehow. Nicely done. Oh. The Cosmic Sombrero, the follow-up to the Urban Sombrero. <laughs> there is a galaxy called the Sombrero Galaxy. I'm, right? Yeah, I'm not surprised. 
I mean, there's like literally billions of these things. So, Jared, what's your favorite galaxy? Oh, in a probably the Milky of Way. Milky Way's got a lot of things I like in it. Yeah, almost everything I like is in the Milky Way <laughs> galaxy. In fact, <laughs> he's a big fan of this local group. So, question four. Algebraic notation is a popular shorthand for recording the moves in a chess match. It includes piece names like K for king and Q for queen, as well as notations for moves such as an X representing a capture. What is the representation for a move that puts an opponent's king in check? Yeah, my first thought, if X is a capture or maybe circle, like X's and O's, uh, circle could be for a check, but yeah, I'm more than happy to, to hear you out as well. Well, when I think of algebraic notation, I'm always thinking of X equals something, right? So I wonder if it's like X equals, like mm. it's it's uh, it's leading into the inevitability of the, the capture or something like that. So, so yeah, what are you going to go with? On logic. I'm happy to walk that in. Okay, we're going to go X equals. So like two, two things, the X and the equal sign? Yes. Okay. Uh, we're going to say an asterisk. All right, you take that X for a, a capture and you tilt a little bit, you get a plus sign. That represents a, a check. Mm. Ah. Ah, okay. I kind of liked your asterisk, though, because they're coming from every direction. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, I thought you meant for like a king that was dead, like splattered. <laughs> Question five. George Hotz, also known as GeoHot, is a software engineer who gained notoriety as a teen for developing hacking tools for iPhones, such as Purple Rain and Black Rain that allowed users to bypass certain restrictions imposed by Apple on their devices. This hacking process is known by what name? So big fan of Michael Douglas, obviously. Oh, yes. Uh, I thought for a second you were going to say Chocolate Rain and Taysound Day was going to make an appearance, <laughs> but... Uh, we can lock in, Jeff. Perfect. I think Forrest knows this one, so we're going to go. Uh, Forrest, a uh, hacker by night. Mm -hmm. Not officially. For legal reasons, yeah, we can't, yeah, we can't confirm or deny. Um, what do you think? Like, uh, it could be a white hat, like a Trojan, um, a Trojan virus. Yeah, Trojan's always good because you get a lot of stuff hidden and I don't know, I don't know hacking processes, so I don't either. Um, unless Let's it was a Salander, but yeah, we can go Trojan if you want. We'll just go Trojan. All right, Forrest, what are you, what are we thinking on this one? Yeah, I'm fairly certain this is uh, jailbreaking. Yep, sounds good to me. Yeah, it is jailbreaking. I thought jailbreaking was when you tattoo the the map right on your body. That's the only way you can get out safely, and See, then you I, you last for six more seasons. And I thought it was when Thin Lizzy and the boys came back to town. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of jailbreak, uh, Forrest, with that uh, that answer there, uh, had a little bit of a break for his team. Uh, looks like uh, too many offspring. The kids are all right. Have thirty points. And Dr. Holland's Frosted Tips, only with 20. All right. Coming up, question six. In 279 BC, a Greek king triumphed against the Romans, but in the process lost so many of his forces that it brought his campaign to an early end. Today, he lends his name to what two-word term that describes an outcome in which the cost of success greatly outweighs the reward? We are locked in. Neil, do you know this one? No. Uh, what would you call it if you if you win something, you have a victory, but maybe it wasn't like worth it in the end? The spoils of victory? You, know, you, you don't know that phrase? Maybe, if I heard it. Uh, I would call that a Pyrrhic victory. Oh, okay. Uh, that's fine with me. We agree. We said a Pyrrhic victory. It is a Pyrrhic victory. 
Pyrrhic victory. It's like imagine imagine the Bears win, mm. but but like all the important players go down with injuries. Get hurt, yeah. Not worth it. Oh, so being a Bears fan usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just called you'd have sadness. to have a, you'd have to have victory, right, for it to be a Pyrrhic victory. <laughs> well, anytime we have a victory, it comes at a great loss. <laughs> Question seven. The Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation and the Federal National Mortgage Association are two government-sponsored enterprises and are most well-known by what two nicknames? We can lock in. Yep. So no surprise here. The the homeowner knows the answer to the question, and the non-homeowners don't know the answer to the, the former, question. The former banker, yes. Yeah, the former banker. This is probably something that was referenced in the big short. I just don't remember. Don't worry. I'm a... I'm a what's two the... nicknames. Two nicknames. I don't know any nicknames. I don't know any fun nicknames for government agencies. Sal and Trulio. What about the Patriot Act? Pop and Crack. <laughs> um, Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation. Pop and Fresh. <laughs> the the uh, something with mo- mortgage and I don't know. I have no idea. Mo. Yeah, we're just gonna tap on this one. We're gonna say crooks and robbers. So, Forrest, if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like this sounds more like the names of two people than two organizations, right? Yeah. Uh, so, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac? Yep. That's exactly what I was thinking. Perfect. And that's correct. Yeah. Uh, if you have been through the home buying process, you're intimately familiar with these things. It's uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. And they sell you, chocolate. You, you going to feel bad about that one? I'm not going to feel bad about no, that No, I one. don't care. Fannie Mae gives chocolate, too. They don't give chocolate. You have sell to chocolate. pay for it, Neil. Well, they give it to you if you take it That's without anyone seeing it. That's why the cops got called last time. <laughs> Question eight. It's a shorter one. Cyborg is a portmanteau of what two words? We can lock in. Um, yeah, Jeff, I'm thinking it's cyber organism. Yeah, I was thinking uh, c- cybernetic organism. Yeah. I think yeah. I think we're good with that. Yeah, I'm just going from Terminator and Arnold Schwarzenegger. We said cybernetic organism. That's completely right. Cybernetic organism. It's not really a tough question. I just thought it was interesting because I never never knew that before. You don't think about those things, but then they, yeah. they end up uh, yeah, sticking with you. That was kind of my process for writing this game is I just wrote down various things that I learned over time and made them trivia questions. That's, a, that's the best way to go about it, to be honest. Just neat stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When uh, Schwarzenegger is pumping iron, it's a cybernetic orgasm. <laughs> mm. Feels good. <laughs> question nine what is the term for a type of window that is usually installed at a 45 degree angle and runs parallel to the roof of a house this type of window is found almost exclusively in vermont stupid is what those are called i've heard this before give me a moment for us if you don't already know it we can kind of talk it out but those are not the opinions of all triviality members just jeff yep so write your letters to jeff I'm a fan of things being at right angles. I'm sorry. I'm square. but um, I think this is the kind of window that uh, Johnny Depp has, right? It's a secret window. Oh, yes. Yeah. Or is it a rear window? Well, it could be a <laughs> secret. Hitchcock window. could be an open window. If yeah. it's behind, window. if it's in open the back windows. of the house, it's a rear window. All right, let's go with uh, secret window. Secret window. I like that. So the thing that comes to mind for me The secret is, why is it at a 45 degree angle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... I feel like I've heard this before, and I the alliterative thing is always the thing I like to go with. And what's coming to mind is a witch's window. Ooh, you know, I think he's right. That sounds very familiar. Okay, so we're gonna go with a uh, witch's window. 
Sounds okay, it's cool. called a it's called a witch window, but that's close enough. I'm oh, gonna, okay. Sounds give pretty it to cool. You. As soon as you said that, I yeah, I totally I like remember that. that. I like yeah. that. That'd be a good name for a horror movie. Too. Yeah, it would is that the reason they call it that? Right, so because the witches would fly out or in in with it or something, right? Oh, I didn't learn that much about that. Oh, I remember we we researched this a long time no ago. No such thing as witches, Neil. Hate to tell you. Yeah, we learned oh. that on the Halloween episode, if you can recall. Oh, sorry, I'm gonna get the the witch uh, the witch crowd mad at me. Yeah, you're gonna get the big witch lobby out after you. Uh, yeah, so it says uh, the etymology was uh, from a folk belief that witches cannot fly their broomsticks through the tilted windows, although it seems unlikely that the tale was taken seriously. They're also known as coffin windows, uh, unknown if they're used for removing a coffin, uh, avoiding a narrow staircase. Hmm. What, what does the tilt of the window have to do with exit strategy? Uh, witches can't fly through it, man. Yeah, it's just, it's it's just that, that's yeah. the way it goes. It's yeah. very straightforward. Like, vampires need to be invited in, witches <laughs> don't like 45 degree say, angles. Could you imagine? You can you can set like ring doorbells to have like automatic prompts. Could you imagine if somebody just set your ring doorbell to automatically invite in vampires? Mm. Seems dangerous. Yeah. Speaking of vampires, actually, that was a good transition. Uh, question 10. A 1971 song by the band Yes saw a resurgence in popularity in 2012 when it was featured in the ending credits of the animated JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, giving birth to the to-be-continued meme that you may have seen floating around. What is the name of this song? Oh, God. Uh, so I'm a big fan of JoJo's. I just I know. need to... Um, That's why I'm saying, oh, God. I think it's this one. I can definitely sing it. I'm pretty sure I know the name of the song. Do you think that's the name of a Yes song? That I'm not too sure about, but it seems it sounds good. Okay. Yeah. We're lock in. Do you know this one off hand, Forrest? No, I don't. I'm not an anime fan in okay. any form. <laughs> well, we can fix that. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the first song that comes to mind when I think of Yes, my favorite Yes song is Roundabout. Um, it's a pretty famous one. Got a really sweet bass line. Um, trying to think of another Yes song that might have been i don't know memes i haven't seen jojo's so i have to go on my yes knowledge i told you to watch it you didn't listen to me i, I i've been busy you didn't listen i've been busy ken watching uh, other stuff oh i'll get there Dude. i'm gonna have to go with roundabout <laughs> that's like their big one okay yeah i mean he said vampire was a good transition um i don't know if that gives you any clues the song or if there's just more... vampires and jojo's bizarre ah, adventure got it got it got it got it never seen it huh? So right. uh, we're going to be the roundabout on this one. All right. Yeah, I botched it because um, I put walkabout. So I knew yeah. the right song, but I didn't know the title. Boom, doom, 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 Yeah. That's it. That's roundabout. So points for you. No points for me. Yep. Uh, you're confusing it with a really uh, excellent film, Ken. Speaking of points, it uh, looks like Too Many Offspring, The Kids Are All Right, uh, was batting perfect in that second half of the second round. And uh, total, they have 80 points, so they only missed two questions the entire first round. And Dr. Holland's Frosted Tips only picking up 20 points, bringing our total to 40. So it is 40 to 80 going into the second round. And before we do that, I just wanted to say thank you to Jared and Forrest for being Patreon supporters. We really appreciate that. If you'd like to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast, uh, where you can get all the newest episodes ad-free. You can get two bonus episodes a month, a crop drop, and a Patreon bonus. And uh, also some some other great perks. Uh, Jared, you've been a patron for a very long time, I believe, right? Uh, a few years, yeah, I think so. A few years. And are you enjoying uh, the more embarrassing crop drop answers or the Patreon bonuses with the extra little bits of uh, trivia per month? Oh, it's so hard to pick a favorite uh, feature of being a Patreon. I like the Discord. The Discord's a fun place to hang out. 
Oh, that's true. Yes. And uh, speaking of that, it's a great transition. We we love our Discord members. A lot of them are playtesting games for us, uh, run by uh, Louis de Rojas. So we appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, if you'd like to join Forrest and Jared and maybe you go over to the Discord, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. And if uh, the other team keeps up at this pace, I'm going to make it a Pyrrhic victory for them because I'm going to slash Jeff's tires. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. Uh, what's our swing round today, Jared? Your swing round is words. I'm going to give you a definition or a description of a word, and you just have to give me the word. The Take twist, it. though, is that each word is comprised of letters that are, that are in alphabetical order within the word. Mm. So, for instance, mossy, M-O-S-S-Y, would be valid because those are all in alphabetical order. Okay. But zebra would not be, Z-E-B-R-A. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. All right, number one, a mixture of chemical elements of which at least one is a metal... Number two, not quite, but close. Number three, the building or buildings occupied by a community of monks or nuns. Number four, a young female horse, usually under four years old. Number five, a device carried by Athena and Zeus, sometimes represented as a shield. Number six, wide receivers and cornerbacks tend to have the fastest times in a certain test of speed, sometimes abbreviated to this single word. Number seven, the Burj Khalifa has a record 163 of these. Number eight, this is a word you might use to describe a hamburger or a bodybuilder. Number nine, a procedure to remove cells, tissue, or fluid for examination by a medical pathologist. And number 10, to end a personal relationship with someone by suddenly and without explanation withdrawing from all communication. All right, we have our questions. We'll be right back with our answers. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. And we are back uh, with our answers. Uh, we got most of them, I think. Uh, let's have the questions one more time. We'll see how we did. Okay. Number one, a mixture of chemical elements of which at least one is a metal. We said alloy. We too said alloy. Alloy is correct. Number two, not quite, but close. Almost. 
We also said almost. It's almost. Number three, the building or buildings occupied by a community of monks or nuns. Yep, this one we we didn't know, uh, so we just said uh, monastery. Yeah, same. We're curious to find out what the right answer is. This is an abbey, A-B-B-E-Y. Ah, of the maybe Downton variety. Number four, a young female horse, usually under four years old. We said Philly. Yep, we also said Philly. And not the baseball team, but F-I-L-L-Y, Philly. Number five, a device carried by Athena and Zeus, sometimes represented as a shield. We didn't know this one. We just said a member of the shield from WWE. We said Roman Reigns. Hmm. I thought Ken would have gone agents of shield for sure. Um, We said an Aegis, which I believe is like the Greek for shield. Yeah, Aegis, A-E-G-I-S. Number six, wide receivers and cornerbacks tend to have the fastest times in a certain test of speed, sometimes abbreviated to this single word. We said 40. We also said 40. Yep, 40, short for the 40-yard dash. Little side trivia fact here. Uh, 40 is the largest number in which all letters appear in alphabetical order. (laughs) They don't get any bigger. Number seven, the Burj Khalifa has a record 163 of these. We said floors. So did we. We said floors. Yep, floors. Number eight, this is a word you might use to describe a hamburger or a bodybuilder. We said beefy. We also said beefy. Beefy. Number nine, a procedure to remove cells, tissue, or fluid for examination by a medical pathologist. Biopsy. We said biopsy. Biopsy is correct. I think it's the longest one on the list, too. Oh, no, not anymore with, <laughs> with all of this. Anyway, number 10. To end a personal relationship with someone by suddenly and without explanation withdrawing from all communication. We said ghost. And we also said ghost. Ghost is correct. Well, I'm doing the scores. What were you saying about 40? 40 is the largest number in which... Oh, largest the, number. In which the okay. word is spelled Ooh. alphabetically. after the swing round it looks like dr holland's frosted tips picking up 40 only missing two bringing their total to 80 but it wasn't enough because too many offspring the kids are all right picking up 45 points extending their lead to 125 okay kicking off round two the release names of the nine versions of mac os x between 10.0 and 10.8 all had what in common yep we can lock in are these the, is this the big cat, um, the big cat series, or is this the national park series? Is it's, this before that? No, I think it's one of those two, because there's Big Sur was one of them, and then, like you said, there's the cats and stuff, uh, like lion and uh, leopard. I think it's probably we, big cats. Yeah, because are we in the 11s now? I think so. All All right. Right. So yeah. we'll say the uh, big cats. I think they're still on OS 10. Okay. But um, pretty sure on this one, Forrest, you, you and I seem very confident. Um, I know the big one that really kicked off the Mac movement was 10.4, which was Tiger. Mm-hmm. Um, 10.3, I think, was Panther. 5 was Lion. 6 was Leopard. 7 was Snow Leopard. Um, so we said cats. Big cats. So in order, these release names were Cheetah, Puma, Jaguar, Panther, Tiger, Leopard, Snow Leopard, Lion, and Mountain Lion. So they were all named after big cats. So what's the current series technically named I after? Uh, I don't national know. Par- well, national parks? some of them. They did like Big Sur. They did like 
But it's I think they're on like ten point sixteen or something like Catalina, yeah, just like places Mojave, Sierra, High Sierra. So you either got Sierra or High Sierra. Okay, question two. The second of the three periods that made up the Mesozoic era is named after which mountain range that exists between the French-Swiss border? Uh, yeah, French-Swiss mountain range. I'm thinking the Alps, so maybe Alpine. I had to take a stab at it. Um, what are your thoughts? I'm good with that. Um, I'm trying to think of other mountain ranges. Dolomites, I think those are like the Italian-Swiss border. Um, the one that exists between... France and Spain is the doesn't matter doesn't matter this no, is, I'm this just is trying the, to rule them out sir this is the dolomite uh, dolomite I was way off uh, yeah I, I guess Alpine is our our best guess because I can't think of another one all right oh, we, named after which mountain range so should we say Alps actually not reading the question again sure we'll say the Alps yeah we're saying the Alps as well Okay, so the Mesozoic era was the era containing the Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous periods, and the Jurassic period is named after the Jura mountain range. Mm. Oh, wow. I'd never heard that before. Now we know. Question three. The Battle of Surfaces was a men's tennis exhibition match that took place in 2007 and was unusual because each half of the court was made of a different surface. Who were the two competitors in the match, and which surface did each one have a specialty in? We can lock in. I don't know how you remember this, Neil. It's because I because I just hear it and it's one I, of the I know, stuck I've with heard me. it. I've heard it a ton of times too. I've no I couldn't I couldn't even begin though. All right, Forrest. Yeah, tennis is not something I take great interest in. Um if I had to guess around that time period, uh maybe be Andy Roddick and Roger Federer, but do you have any in route there? Well the first thing I know is it's a mixture of gla glass. They played on glass. Uh, that would be I, not, that I would watch. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I remember is that the courts were grass and clay. Could it be Murray, British guy? I can't remember his first name. Andy Murray. That's ringing a bell. I think that might be it. So I'm thinking maybe he's on grass and Federer on clay. Okay, um, we'll we'll do that. We'll say uh, that. Yep, we discussed, we said it was clay versus grass, and we said that uh, Rafael Nadal was on clay and Federer was on grass. Yeah, exactly what Neil said. Nadal on clay and Federer on grass. Uh, talk us out about that one. Uh, we Federer were... played on grass. Well, uh, secretly. He couldn't be tested. Did it, did it improve his, his game or slow down his down. reaction? Yeah. It might have just slowed down his attitude, I'm sure, right? So he's not as he's not Mac. He went from McEnroe into you know McDonald's or something. Like, uh, how'd you feel about the the outcome of that match? Pretty cool. It was pretty good. Pretty he good. went from McEnroe to Buddha. McEnroe to Buddha, yeah. <laughs> from Justin to Kelly, and the sequ say. the sequel from McEnroe to Buddha. <laughs> I was gonna say if it's not from McEnroe to Buddha, which I would love to do a Photoshop for, um, we'll have to find another good title in there. But okay, question four. In the U.S. 2016 presidential election, one faithless elector from the state of Washington cast his vote for which Native American activist, making her the first Native American to receive an electoral vote? All right. Uh, unfortunately, me and Neil don't know too many Native American activists, so we're going to pick one that we know. I don't either. Um, what do you think on this one, Forrest? 
Yeah, I don't really have any clue on this one. I'm not, yeah, don't know too many activists myself either. I don't know why. When I when I think of activists, I'm not sure if she's Native American. I think of Rosario Dawson. Um, but I don't, I feel like I would remember that if it was like a someone who was more famous. But um, yeah, I mean, that might be the best we got. <laughs> we're going to just go ahead and guess that uh, this person wanted Rosario Dawson. Okay. All right. Um, I'm not sure if this is what you were thinking of, Ken, but I know there was one named Spotted Eagle. This is what we locked in with. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Faith Spotted Eagle was the, the electoral vote for Washington, or one of them. One oh. of many uh, faithful selectors of that election. Yeah. Go ahead and take your points, guys. That was a good one. Question five. Trinitite is an unnaturally occurring glass-like material that was formed after what specific event? And two bonus points if you can tell me the year that the event happened. Uh, Forrest, I think I've got an idea on this. I don't want to lock in yet, but... Um, yeah, I think I may have the same idea. So I'm guessing Trinitite, might this be related to the um, Los Alamos Trinity test of the first atomic bomb? Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Okay. And that happened in 1945. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we're in agreement. We're going to lock in with the first atomic explosion, uh, first detonation of an atom bomb, and uh, we're going to say 1945. Somebody watched Oppenheimer. Yeah, they did. Um, uh, yes. But don't, uh, don't forget I, to take the sheets in. Yeah, we know you just know it from Oppenheimer. Um, <laughs> we, too, said atomic bomb detonation and 45. Yep. Yeah, this was directly inspired by a certain movie that came out this summer. Is the Trinity test in 1945? I'm curious, not to not to poke fun, Neil, but what were you thinking originally? Uh, well, I didn't read Trinitite. I was just thinking maybe it was uh, naturally occurring from uh, meteorites crashing into Earth. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. After five, it looks like Dr. Holland's frosted tips picking up a uh, little bit of points here, bringing our total to 122, and uh, the offspring and the kids are all right, uh, are up to 147. So we're narrowing that lead, Jeff. What do you think about that? That's pretty neat. Okay. All right. On to question six. Bokito was an animal that lived in a zoo in Rotterdam, Netherlands, until he died earlier this year. After an incident in 2007, visitors were given special glasses to wear while visiting this animal's exhibit. What was unique about these glasses? And for five bonus points, what kind of animal was Bokito? All right. So Neil's uh, written down an answer that I think is... uh... Just very well thought out. Whether it's wrong or right, I like it. So let's go with it. Okay. So Bokito was an animal that lived in a zoo in the Netherlands until he died earlier this year. So 2007. So it's an animal that lives a little bit longer. So Mm -hmm. probably a mammal, maybe a reptile. Glasses in particular. Visiting this animal's exhibit. I mean, jokingly, the first thing that comes to mind is this was a like monkey throwing feces, right? And it had like little wipers or something, like some stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I just see a face shield with a wiper on it that like just wipes progressively the wiping crap on your face, <laughs> flinging yeah. it off other people. It flings it side to side. Well, no, I imagine it, it's slightly conical outwards, so it flings the away from you. Um, Do you know how weird my brain is right now? When you said that, the only thing I thought of was a really bad movie that Greg Kinnear was in about the creation of the window wipers for the car. That's what I thought of, which has nothing to do with this. But anyway, or maybe it was like conical shaped, and it would it funnel the feces into the. So, so you got the full experience. <laughs> yeah, um, other thought would be like a venomous animal, like spraying. 
you know, Venom onto whoever, but oh, I don't know what would make that makes sense. I mean, you'd want glasses like the Velociraptor thing in, in Jurassic exactly. Park, right? <laughs> um, but would safety goggles be considered a unique? I, I guess I would say that those are special glasses. So maybe they were given safety goggles. And what do you think it was venomous that would spit? Um, like a, I don't know. I don't know anything about like iguanas. The venomous or... sloth. Yeah. Snake. Komodo dragon. Ooh, okay. Let's do it. Let's say it was a Komodo dragon and you had to wear safety glasses. Komodo dragon that could breathe fire. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> So our answer is a little out there, but I'm hoping it makes I some, love this answer, some kind Neil. of sense. Oh, thank you. I hope you're right. Uh, so we said Boquito was a gorilla, and uh, if you know anything about gorillas, they're they're very violent sometimes, especially towards humans. And we thought maybe they wore glasses that would cover their smile because when you smile at gorillas, they see it as a form of aggression, and that's when they attack. So we said glasses that cover your smile. That's a killer answer. That's isn't genius. It? Yeah. And it's actually pretty close. Uh, so the incident was in 2007. A woman was attacked because she made sustained eye contact with a gorilla named Bokita. And gorillas are likely to interpret eye contact as a challenge and go aggro on you. So in order to prevent that from happening again, the zoo had glasses made in which fake eyes were printed on them. And the fake eyes like looked in another direction. Mm. I can show you oh, an image wow. of what that looks like. Mm. And for the listeners, you can just Google Bokito glasses. That's Google it yourself. B-O-K-I-T-O. You can just see the image that I just showed these guys. Yeah, as soon as they said the thing about the smile, I was like, oh, I, I bet you it like blanks out the eyes or like they can't see the eyes. So how are we, uh, so how are we um, sorting out the points on this one? Uh, unfortunately, I think you were close, but no cigar. I didn't ask you, Jeff. Are you asking me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so much pressure. So I guess what, five points just because we said gorilla and then that's it probably? I'll say that's good, yeah. Okay. Okay. Question seven. Name five of the six languages of the United Nations and two bonus points if you can name all six. Um, so you want to lock in English, Chinese, French, Spanish, and maybe Arabic? Yeah, let's lock in Arabic and we can say Russian for... For Russian six. for our, our sixth guest. Okay. Okay. Uh, we're going to lock in with our top five, English, Chinese, Spanish, German, French, and then we're going to add Urdu as the, the last. Okay, so the, the six languages of the United Nations are Arabic, Mandarin Chinese, English, French, Russian, and Spanish. Mm, missed it. There we go. Do we get points? Yeah, we got all of them in the bonus. Oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We got nothing, right? Correct. Okay. So question eight, rule 7.3 of the American Bar Association model rules of professional conduct prohibits lawyers from engaging in a kind of solicitation known by this vehicular two word phrase. Is it, uh, does it um, bar them from putting their thumbs under their suspenders? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Too powerful of a move. Yeah, or taking out a, a, a handkerchief and tapping your brow. But it's a kind of solicitation. Oh, I wonder if that's... It's got to be something where, like, they you, if you see an accident, you go right up and go, hey, I'm a lawyer, that kind of thing. Oh. Like, uh, or um, what's it called when you, you're in traffic and you're you're looking at stuff uh, like an accident when you turn your head? Looky loose. Yeah, I know what you mean. What the hell is that called? Gaper's delay? No. It, well, yeah, that's what Gaper's I mean. Gaper's delay? Is that but, really what it's called? Well, that's when you're, that traffic's bad because you're all staring at an accident. I know, I know what you I Is know that like what a regional thing? Hmm? Is that a region? I call that rubbernecking. 
Oh yeah, maybe it's regional. Yeah, Scapers delay here. Never yeah. heard of that. I've heard of rubbernecking too, though. But it's it's what um, Jake Gyllenhaal was in Nightcrawler, basically. But he did video I, work. I know, awesome. I, <laughs> I think I think you're right. I'm I'm trying to think of it. Not not ambulance chaser. I don't think. Or maybe. Yeah, maybe ambulance chaser. Yeah, I don't mind that. That's okay. vehicular. Yeah. So, Forrest, I'm pretty sure this is ambulance chasing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, basically just following up on catastrophe. So, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, yeah, it is ambulance chasing. All right. We got it. Yeah, got there. Question nine What is your favorite color? Is a life or death question posed by a character from what 1975 film? I have no clue on this one, Jeff. It seems, uh, What's your favorite color? Life or death question posed by a character from what 1975 film? That seems just up enough to be a clockwork orange. Um, which was played by Malcolm McDowell. Now I have to see if I can remember the character's name. You don't need the character's name. Yeah, it's the movie. Oh, we're going to say I'll a clockwork. Save us some time here. We're going to say a clockwork orange. Because you're wrong anyways. Um... We're going to say Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite color? That's right. Maybe that, maybe that clarifies it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, I tried to read that as like neutrally as possible. To, to it mask. succeeded. <laughs> All right. Uh, on to the final question of round two. Question 10. In mathematics, there exists a theorem that states that in order to color in regions on a map in such a way that two of the same color do not touch, you'll never need more than a certain amount of colors. What is this number of colors? And as an addendum, there have been different versions of this theorem in the past, but I'm looking for the one with the smallest number. The, um, the most accepted one with the no, smallest number. No thanks on this question. Just no thanks. So, Neil, I don't think we're going to give him any hints here by taking a wild guess. Do you just want to say six? Yeah, that's good with me. This, this question is outside of my faculties. All right, Forrest, I'm hoping that you are a math savant oh yeah <laughs> um i don't know my first thought was five just a gut feeling but i i like that i was thinking a similar thing i think it's really low i've seen representations of this before but it's been quite a few years since i've i've run into it so i, I can't say with any confidence yeah but five sounds good to me yeah let's lock it in and as we said we said six Okay, so five for a long time, I think, was the accepted. Uh, it, it was never proven because it's very hard to prove without computers, but people thought five for a long time. But nowadays, the more common uh, accepted answer for this is four. You only need four colors to color in a map to ensure that no two of the same color are touching. Wow. Boo. Wow. God, wow. we are so stupid. <laughs> not, yeah, I'm not booing you. I'm just booing that there's only four colors. Okay. Let me do this. I don't understand that question at all. And I refuse to answer it. At the end of regulation, it looks like Dr. Holland's Frosted Tips is going to be picking up 25 points, bringing their total to 147 to end the game. And the uh, the offspring are all right, is which I'm calling you now, are picking up 22 points, bring your total to 169. Nice. We're at the final round uh, categories. Okay, so I got a little bit silly with it this time, and I, I, I'm doing six categories for this final round. So, in order, the, the final round categories are states, solid, liquid, gas, 
plasma, and triviality. So since there are six categories, we will still do 30 points max on each question. Uh, just a little more um, opportunity for movement. Both teams' wages are now locked in. Uh, Offspring are doing 25 points all the way down. And uh, Dr. Holland is doing 20 points all the way down. Okay, so question one in the category of states. 48 of the United States divide their local governments into regions called counties, but two states use different terms. One's regions are called parishes, and the other ones are called boroughs. What are these two states? Question two in the category of solid. What colors are the first three balls in a standard billiard ball set in ascending order? Question three in the category of liquid. Liquid ambar styraciflua is a deciduous tree that produces hard, dry, spiky fruits that are a total nuisance and were responsible for a lot of my time cleaning up my grandma's yard as a kid. What is the common, tasty-sounding name for this fruit-bearing tree? Question four in the category of gas. Nick Gas was a television network whose original incarnation ran from 1999 to 2007. Its focus was broadcasting reruns of a particular subset of Nickelodeon shows, as well as some original content. What did the GAS of Nick Gas stand for? Question five in the category of plasma. Erasmus of Formia lends his saint's name to what weather phenomenon in which luminous plasma is created from a rod-like object such as a ship's mast? In question six in the category of triviality, in the vanilla OG triviality rules read, within one, how many times is the word the said? All right, we have our questions. We'll be right back with our answers. <laughs> I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances— I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
We are back with our answers for the final. So let's get the questions one more time, see how we did. Again, uh, Offspring wagering 25 points on all, and Dex uh, Dr. Holland, who is Dexter Holland, uh, wagering 20 points. Dr. Dexter Holland. Dr. Dexter Holland. All right, so the first question was in the category of states. I asked you which states, regions are called parishes and which, is, which states, regions are called boroughs. Uh, we said Louisiana and Massachusetts. Yeah, this was a real team effort, Forrest. I knew Alaska had boroughs, and you saved us on the other one because it's yeah. Louisiana. Yep. With parishes. Yep. yep. <sighs> yeah, parishes in Louisiana and boroughs in Alaska. Shoot. Hmm. According to me, I said Burroughs sounds like some Boston. <laughs> like Foxborough, which is where the um, Patriots play. Question two is in the category of solid. I asked you, what colors are the first three balls in a standard billiard ball set in ascending order? Okay, so in ascending order, it would be yellow, blue, and red. Yeah, I think we agree. Um, we said one was yellow, two was blue, three was red. Yep, yellow, blue, red. And when I was playtesting this, one of my friends mentioned that in pro play when they're like televising these events that one of the balls is changed to pink because it shows up better on tv mm. or purple or something it's like different so that's mm. why i said standard billiard ball set it's just a little interesting well i could also I see knew, the red being substituted out because of color blindness so mm. against the green table all right uh in the third question was the category liquid i asked you what is the name of the tree that produces hard dry spiky fruits Oh, category liquid. That could have been a hint, but we thought maybe this is like a regional thing because I really can't think of anything besides crab apples. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm a graduate of Ohio State University. I'm fairly certain this is the Buckeye tree. So this is a tree that's mostly found in like the southeastern kind of quadrant of the United States. It's the American sweet gum tree. Oh. Uh, the old sweet gum tree. I wasn't, I wasn't close yeah. to getting that, Neil. Nope. Gotta say. Yeah, it's kind of a you know no. it or you don't. You, you've either spent hours cleaning them out of your grandma's yard or you haven't. I have not. Uh, question four was in the category of gas. I asked you what the uh, the full name of Nick Gas stood for, the G-A-S. Well, uh, in days long past, uh, Jeff and I would wager on guts reruns. And see which kid would win. And uh, I think this is games and sports. We always knew it was the kid who was like going through puberty like sooner J than everybody Johnny else. football hero. Yeah. <laughs> so you had to just start blind betting because otherwise it wasn't much of a competition. Um, but not yeah, true. We, not true, though. Once in a while you'd have a surprise. But rare. We agree. We said uh, Nickelodeon games and sports. Yeah, the channel's full Christian name was Nickelodeon games and sports. <laughs> People say that in reference to many things. Uh, question five was the category plasma. I asked you what Erasmus of Formia lent his saint's name to. What weather phenomenon? Uh, me think this is St. Elmo's fire. Uh, yeah. Yep, it is St. Elmo's fire. And finally, the final question, triviality. I asked you how many times in the rules read does the rules reader say the word the? Mm, this was this was actually pretty tough. Um, it's easy to hear it, not so easy to recite it back. Uh, we came up with seven. Yeah, and we also said seven. So I did say within one. Uh, the correct answer is actually eight, but you both were within one. So cool. Both get it. 
we had to pull up the text, and we were surprised to find out it was eight. Uh, but, um, you know, the scores are in right now. The game is over, and it is very fitting uh, what Dr. Holland's Frosted Tips is going to have for a final score, only picking up 40 points, which brings them to 187, which is a murder today, uh, <laughs> because it looks like uh, the two offspring and the kids are all right are going to be picking up 100 points, bring their total to 269. That means you're today's cream of the crop. You're a winner, baby. Well, we had a chance to become the cream of the crop, mm -hmm. and we succeeded. So Good job. Yeah. All credit to Forrest. Uh, thank you for being an excellent partner today. Yeah, thank you. It was great playing with you. Any uh, any shout-outs or anything before we let you go today, uh, Forrest? Uh, yeah, shout-out to my wife and kids for holding on the fort while I'm doing this. Uh, it's been my Sunday, and yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. Uh, so nice to meet you and have you here today. And Jared, always a pleasure to have you host a game. The questions were great. Uh, learned a lot of new things, which was really fun. Uh, anything uh, you'd like to say before we let you go today? Uh, just thanks for having me back on again. Uh, shout out to my friend group that playtested this for me. Uh, Jubiru, Gianni, Wally, Jake, Jonathan, Kyle, Shots, Bosby, and Kayla. You guys are great. Uh, help me fix a little here and there, but all, all of you missed the hippo error, so I'm going to remember that one. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, well. Thank you so much. Uh, Which the listeners don't even know about because yeah. of the magic of that. Oh yeah, because that's little, true. Little uh, mis uh, question had to be replaced in the swing round. That's what that's in reference to. And we love hippos. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, but thank you very much, uh, Jared, for being here. We appreciate that, and um, you know, appreciating uh, people coming through for us. Uh, also, uh, goes to our network, Ken. That's right. Uh, we are a part of Airwave Media. You can find them at airwavemedia.com with other great shows such as The Film Vault, Pulse of the Planet, and how about History of the Second World War? Yeah, and I think 40% of you have already tuned out here according to a survey, but if you haven't yet, please uh, <laughs> check out our Discord to join uh, Forrest and Jared. Make sure to give us a review on iTunes. We're trying to up those numbers once again. And if you'd like to join Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. And to the 60 who are still with us, the 60%. Mm -hmm. You're you're the true true heroes. The true the true heroes probably knew how many times the is in the rules read. That's so right. we appreciate all of you uh, for Matt, Forrest, Jared, Jeff, and Ken. My name is Neil, and that was Triviality. <laughs> <laughs>